0: Hi, and welcome to the NatWest Markets U.S. Election Watch podcast. I'm Brian Dangerfield, the head of G10FX Strategy and NatWest Markets in the U.S.
1: And I'm John Briggs, head of strategy for the
0: Americas. So, John, the U.S. election is now just days away. But in a lot of ways, election day is already happening, um, especially when you look at these early voting stats. Yeah, it's
1: pretty staggering, Brian. I mean, last election, about 130 million people voted already. You've got 65 million um, have voted. I mean, it's a little less than half, 47 percent of the 26 electorate has already voted um, and we've already passed the mail in and early votes for 2016. So, you know, by all accounts, it looks like not just um, our early voting mail in voting up, but, you know, we thought turnout would be higher in this election. It certainly looks like it's leading that way. Um, I will say, though, you know, as, as we've discussed many times and as as everyone, all our listeners know, it's not really the national story that that makes a difference where are we in the swing states and it's even more impressive in some of these key swing states in north carolina 67 percent um, of the 2016 electorate again we expect that to be higher but you know, using that as a benchmark 67 percent have um voted georgia 66 florida 63 uh, you know some some really strong turnout um, and early voting i mean of course part of that is just a lot of these states have opened before others Um, But still, very, very, very high numbers. Um, One last point to make, though, what's interesting is that a couple of these states give you some information on ballots that have been returned or early votes based on party affiliation. Um, And the numbers here are coming back, generally favoring, favoring the Democrats. I will caution, however, that when you look at this, that if you have Republicans that have um, polled as more likely to go vote in person. This doesn't mean that the Democrats necessarily ahead, but just that they're the, uh, as far as mailing and early voting goes, they're, they're ahead. But if you look at North Carolina, you know, uh, 1.2 million affiliated with the democratic party have voted. Whereas 950,000 affiliated with the GOP have voted that leaves still about 30% um, of people with no affiliation have voted. So that again, this is not a determinant, but it's just a show of energy. Uh, Florida, the GOP actually has an edge 1 million to 670,000 in person. But if you include mail-in ballots, the Democrats have the edge of 2.6 to 2.2. 2. But again, you know, you kind of leave that leaves 20% of the electorate that uh, in Florida that has no affiliation. So there can be a pretty good swing there. So, you know, the the Democrats are, are certainly ahead in early voting. Um, it looks like they are have a lead, but it could easily, it could easily dissipate um, if Republican energy, you know, is really more focused on in-person rather than early voting. So you got to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt.
0: Yeah, I think I agree there as well. Certainly take this with a grain of salt, because one of the things that we should be considering is. What does the early voting data tell us that polling has not already told us? We've had a very good sense from polling throughout this cycle that Democrats were likely to dominate in mail-in voting in particular, and that appears to be backed up by the numbers. Um, We should also consider the possibility that turnout in the mail-in voting being historically high is cannibalizing the turnout on Election Day. So, for example, individuals who were not planning on voting on election day, if they're voting by mail this time for the first time, that's new turnout. But it's possible that this is just individuals who would have shown up at the ballots on November 3rd, instead casting the ballots early. Um, and so I think we should be cautious in overinterpreting this as potentially a major positive for, for Biden and the Democrats. I think instead we should be thinking about it as what it is, which is consistent with what polling has told us, which is that dom- uh, that Democrats were likely to dominate Um, particularly in mail-in voting. But I think it's also a symbol, as you mentioned, John, that this is going to be an election that has a possibility of very high turnout. What do you think the turnout, um, You know, if if this does turn out to be a very strong turnout election, um, who do you think that favors? How do you think that uh, that influences the race?
1: Well, I mean, I think our assumption is that does help Biden. And I will say to your point, I was somebody that always went to vote in person. I voted by mail, of course, in Connecticut doesn't really matter for the national race. But you know, that's a case in point right there. Um, I mean, but answering your question on on turnout, you know, we do assume this helps Biden because there really hasn't been much evidence Trump has meaningfully expanded his base. And you've made this comment before. Trump has a very strong floor, you know, in approval ratings over four years, but he also seems to have a pretty strong ceiling. And, and the same has come through, you know, on his ratings when uh, for, for the election cycle, which is, unfavorability and also, you know, just his percentages that will vote for him versus for Biden, things like that. So, you know, one of Trump's strong suits is his supporters are extremely enthusiastic. He has an extremely high approval rating amongst them, um, even relative to Biden voters. So, but, you know, without expanding that base, a big increase in turnout compared to 16 is unlikely to capture new Trump supporters because they're already ones that are enthusiastic and already likely to vote.
0: So the amount of early voting that's happened, uh, really already happened, does seem to reduce the relative importance of some recent events. But John, why don't you run me through some of your thinking on the last debate, stalling of stimulus talks, and and some of the more recent developments, even though with all of this early voting, there's fewer votes to capture or fewer minds to change, if you will, um, by these late events. But what are you thinking about some of these recent developments?
1: Yeah, I mean, we know that like throughout this whole time that there's been a lot less people that are undecided as versus 2016. You know, so there's a lot small, there's a much smaller slice of the population kind of for one candidate to carve off or the other, or that will probably make up their mind in the last last week or so. You know, again, the early voting accentuating that. Um, you know, I, I did notice some interesting trends in the last couple of days. We're just starting to get some polls back that are uh, was the final debate, which I think Trump did much better at. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of articles about if he had acted like that in the first debate would it has been a much closer race, but, you know, that's moot. But what's interesting, if you look at some polls um, in Texas, Pennsylvania, you know, again, they're very, very minor in number. We don't want to overread into this. We'll see how they come out in the next few days. But with Biden's comments on energy and, and moving away from a carbon-based um, energy economy and, you know, towards cleaner energy in Texas, we don't, have a huge. I mean, Texas has a huge energy economy, but you know we assume that's going to go red anyway. Pennsylvania, though, we've seen some polls um, actually swing to putting in Trump in favor. Now, the polls themselves are not the most uh, well-rated polls, um, but you know when you do see the energy, uh, the states with high energy economies starting to swing noticeably just post debate, you wonder if there is something there. I don't know if it's durable. I don't know if it's too late or if it's an outsized thing. But, you know, I do think that Trump benefited from the debate. And we have discussed a lot about how Biden needs to make a mistake in order for Trump to have a better chance at winning the election. Personally, I don't think that's a big enough mistake. But, you know, Pennsylvania has been pulling plus eight, plus nine, plus six, plus five. And, you know, pretty in that range, pretty steadily. Um, And if we start to see it become a little bit closer here, because you could point back to those comments. My last My last point I want to make is on fiscal stimulus, which is another recent development and how, you know, that's certainly fallen through and it looks like there's going to be no chance of getting any near-term fiscal stimulus after the election. I do think that there is the possibility that post-election, if you get a strong Democratic win and sweep, that you could get near-term stimulus bills in the lame duck. Because, you know, one of the reasons why Pelosi didn't want to negotiate small bills or several bills is that if she passes a small bit, then there's gonna be no incentive for the Republicans to come back to the table at all. But if they know they're gonna control Congress down the road or come January and be able to pretty much pass what they want, now that's too uh, big a statement, but we can come back to that once we see the makeup of the Senate on the prospect for fiscal stimulus. But um, you know, the idea being that she might be more willing to compromise on a bill right after the election if um, they know that they're gonna have control of, government come January. Now that still leaves it up to whether Donald Trump signs anything. And you know that's a wild card. I'm not ready to fix.
0: Great. Thanks very much for that, John. That's all the time we have today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the US Election Watch. Please subscribe to get future episodes of uh, this and other NatWest Markets podcasts. And please like the podcast if you enjoyed it. It will help others to find it. We also encourage you to find more of our content on our website and on our social media channels. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you.